Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajlul hazna idha sha'ta sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala zikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. Ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's a complete buzz being here as usual. MashaAllah. With the happy Malaysians. Happy sweet Malaysians. Sah? Malaysian. <laughs> You're not Malaysian, no? You're in good company here. Me and you are fortunate. Who's not actually in Malaysian here? We have a couple of Singaporeans, yeah? A couple of Albanian kind of, yani, stroke kind of, you know, mutation, yani, we don't know what's going on there. MashaAllah. Alright, so inshallah we'll have obviously our personal session uh, later, but today um, uh, continuing with our our lesson, Sharh uh, al-Mumtiq by Sheikh al-Uthaymin alayhi rahmatullah. So uh, last week obviously was useful in that um, we were able to to complete and finish entirely the um, the obligatory aspects of wudu, and once we tie a little bit more into the theoretical aspects of the niyyah, which are important, okay. Uh, especially, cons- I mean, actually, especially for you guys here as Shafi'is, um, there are some very interesting, uh, uh, or there is a very interesting position with the Shafi'i ulama when it comes to the niyyah that you make for your actions of wudu, or rather, when it comes to the, the niyyah that you make for wudu and what it can be used for. Um, you'll be interested, maybe you didn't even realize before that actually. The Shafi'is require specific niyyat and not a general one, but this will all become clear. So um, I think if I'm right, and uh, my partner in crime, uh, Widad, I think uh, because obviously it's still very uh, early over there, uh, I haven't got my exact page, but I'm pretty sure that we completed the chapter completely. Sah? Okay, good then. So we start then. With the Arabic Okay, that the niyyah is a shart And let's just read that So now we leave page 1 of the uh, translation notes Okay, and we move now on to the second page of the translated notes So in the Arabic Imam Al-Hajjawi Alayhi rahmatullah says in Zad al-Mustaqni' وَالنِّيَّةُ شَرْطٌ لِتَحَارِتِ الْأَحْدَاثِ كُلِّهَا فَيَنْوِي رَفْعَ الْحَدَثِ أو الطحارة لما لا يباح إلا بها فإنوا ما تسن له الطحارة كقراءة أو تجديدا مسنونا ناسيا حدثه ارتفع وإنوا غسلا مسنونا أجزأ عن واجب وكذا أكسو وإن اجتمعت أحداث توجب وضوءا أو غسلا فَنَوَى بِطَهَارَتِهِ أَحَدَهَا اِرْتَفَعَ سَائِرُهَا وَيَجِبُ الْإِتْيَانُ بِهَا وَيَجِبُ الْإِتْيَانُ بِهَا عِنْدَ أَوَّلِ وَاجِبَاتِ الطَّهَارَةِ وَهُوَ التَّسْمِيَةِ وَتُسَنُّ عِنْدَ أَوَّلِ مَسْنُونَاتِهَا إِنْ وُجِدْ إِنْ وُجِدَ قَبْلَ وَاجِبُ وَاسْتِصْحَابُ ذِكْرِهَا فِي جَمِيعِهَا وَيَجِبُ وَاسْتِصْحَابُ حُكْمِهَا so, the translation of that entire passage, which will take us a couple of weeks actually to get through, 
<laughs> and that, that's that's just the reading. No, the explanation takes a couple of months. The um, the uh, Imam Hajjawi says that the intention is a prerequisite, a condition. The intention is a prerequisite for purification from ritual purity in all of its forms. The meaning in all of the forms of ritual impurity. One makes the intention to lift the state of ritual impurity or for the purification to do something which wouldn't be permissible without it. If one intends something for which purification is only recommended, such as reciting the Quran, such as reciting, or one intends this sunnah form of renewing one's wudu, i.e. you already have wudu and you renew one's wudu, with the condition that they've forgotten whether they invalidated their wudu previous to that, then the state of ritual impurity will still be lifted. If one intends a sunnah ghusl, it will suffice for an obligatory one, and vice versa. If many reasons for one's ritual impurity are combined, which require wudu or ghusl, and one only purifies himself for just one of them, all the states of ritual impurity will be removed. It is obligatory to make the intention along with the first obligation of purification, which is the stating of Bismillah. And it is recommended to do so along with the first of its recommended acts, if indeed there are to be any to be found before the obligatory acts. It is also recommended to remember the intention throughout the entire process of the law, and it is obligatory to positively maintain that intention meaning to keep it going with you, keeping it alive all the way throughout the wudu. So that is the actual translation of the uh, the text itself. Um, and there's a lot of stuff there. Actually, it's, very, it's actually one of the more technical pages um, that we will come across in the chapter of, well, certainly in the chapter of purification. And actually in the chapters of Ibadat, this is actually quite a, a technical kind of uh, uh, finickety kind of uh, uh, aspect. Um I will make it all clear. Basically, in a nutshell, the discussion which is going to happen now is first of all to establish whether one has to have a real niyyah before they start this act of worship, i.e. wudu. This is what we're going to discuss. And it is a discussion point because actually not everyone agrees. Now, you'd think that obviously it's an act of worship. If it's an act of worship, then we know that there are two conditions for any act of worship to be accepted. It has to be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it has to be done according to the of the Prophet This is generally when you look at any act of worship, okay? Um, but there are some uh, ulama, or I should rather say the Hanafi school, and they are alone in this issue, okay? They actually considered the wudu not needing aniyyah. And it's very interesting why. And in the explanation to that, you will learn a, a, a very important principle about what we call al-maqasid and al-wasail. The, the means to get to an act of worship and the act of worship itself, which is the objective. The, the maqsad, plural maqasid, is the objective, right? And often we're talking about an act of worship. So here, the, uh, the Hanafi school, as we're going to come to see, they said, actually, whatever is in between us and getting to the, the act of worship, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that when you stand for prayer, فَاقْسِلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ okay? When you're about to pray, if you want to pray, then wash your faces. So for them, they said, actually, the real act of worship here is the prayer. And so therefore, everything which then gets to the prayer is just means. You don't need to make intentions for them. 
almost like as if we were saying and the majority of course will respond and say well quite clearly we can't accept that because wudu itself is a very very clear act of worship in itself but if i was to give you like a comparison to make a kind of like a, 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 a like a comparison between the two concepts it's like um i don't know how i don't know how good this is but if you're making wudu whether you need to have a specific intention to wash the hand and that is all about the washing of the hand so or for example uh, having an intention to have the water in a certain way to allow the, the water to wash the hand to get the washing done i.e. wudu we wouldn't need to be making niyyah okay, or niyat or intentions for the, the, the individual aspects at the beginning and so this is what this discussion is going to uh, start off with and then it's going to move into, and, and, and it is an important one, and then the discussion is going to move to, um, when it comes to a niyyah, how powerful is a niyyah? What, uh, what does it apply to? Is it so that as long as I make the niyyah to lift my state, or I don't have wudu, okay? I don't have wudu. If I don't have wudu, that means I'm in a state of impurity. If I'm in a state of impurity, okay, that as we've, as we've studied down for the whole last year, whatever, it's very important to differentiate between being spiritually impure and physically. So physically impure, if I've got something on my hand or on my clothes, this is physical najasa. Yes, this is a khabath or najasa. Whereas hadath, plural, ahdath are ritual impurities. It basically is me not being able to pray. But I might be as clean as a baby. Maybe not when they've done the thing, of course, Yani. Yeah, baby in the in the nice moment of the baby, not the disaster moment of the baby, right? So super clean, super beautiful, super great. Come out of the shower, smelling great, shampooed everything up, but I can't pray. A reason I can't pray is because spiritually or ritually, I am not ready for salah or ready for, to, to to do anything actually. And of course, this is very important um, because. And, and, and it obviously becomes more important in, in certain areas and certain times. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, if you had a long day at work, or actually in Malaysia, any day at work, yeah, because, of the, because, of, because, because of the temperature here, right? Okay. You're often going to be having a shower, right? And it's a cooling down you know, thing. It helps. It works out. Now, when you're so regularly going to a shower, okay, and the visit to the shower or the washing the face to freshen up if you're hot and sweaty okay becomes so frequent that the lines become blurred between that and the act of wudu itself or the act of ghusl itself and we all know every muslim suffers from the 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 kind of uh, when our minds go blank or rather i should say when our minds go on autopilot right when we elect salah let's face it most of us suffer immensely in our salah most of us, we take a lot, you know, well, some of us are fortunate enough to, to really kind of focus, get yourself G'd up, ready, get the knee ready, Allahu Akbar, and you hold it, you're there, you're there, you're there, and then it starts to fade, 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 you know? Thoughts, shaitan says, okay, well, I'll just let you start, I'll just let you get a bit excited, yeah? You know, yeah, you know, you know make you think that you, this is working, you got done, you got Bismillah done, you got Alhamdulillah, okay, let's see how long you last now, then... 
he starts putting the waswas, right? So the ideas come through and you know all the theories and then you know what you've got to get done in the afternoon and the lunch and then what mom's wanting and God knows what, okay? And so by the time then you realize again, normally it's because you've moved to Ruku, you're thinking, hello, this is interesting. I'm in a new position here now, yeah? So, so you know, and that's the nature of of what happens and how shaitan plays us. We then realize, and that's actually one of the wisdoms why Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, he, he, he mentioned that the takbiratul intiqal, meaning the takbir of moving from one position to another, one of the wisdoms is that it's almost like you're going to get attacked, you're going to get yani, your mind taken away from the, from the, the, the matter at hand, and it's like, hey, Allah is greater than that. Allahu Akbar, move in. And then you're in that position, okay, and you come back up, and you're, you're, you're standing. And now remember, of course, uh, 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 people think that that Samiyallahu al-Muhammida, Rabbana wa alhamd, straight down. They think it's actually a very quick position. Actually, if you do it properly, according to the sunnah, you could be standing there for a minute. A whole minute. That's a long time in the middle of a prayer, okay? Just to be standing your hands at the side and, and making the dua of the sunnah of the Prophet And there are many, okay? And so, again, a, a situation could happen where you're, you're, you know, uh, you're making a dua. And remember, this is not a dua that you just learn. This is a dua that you say every single day, many, many, many times. And so, therefore, it's human nature that your minds will start to get numb, you know, well, by saying it. And so, therefore, it's like suddenly strike back into action. Whatever you're thinking, whatever, wherever your mind went, Allah didn't go anywhere, okay? You're the one who left him. Allahu Akbar. And so therefore, this this uh, uh, this issue of having istihdar, yani to be present, to be to making the act real, is is essential, is absolutely essential. And um, when you uh, and all acts of the ibadah, and that's why we said we were talking about the wudu. Um, I was saying that it's really really important that when you're washing. You're just not washing because you'd normally wash your hands. You know, if your hands are dirty and you're just washing, okay, you just be washing, wouldn't you? But in wudu, you just need to slow things down a bit, okay? You need to slow things down a bit and start looking at your hand and, you know, thinking, you know what? I, I, I'm preparing myself to worship Allah here. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 you're rubbing and you're rubbing with like... Um, I, think, I don't know if I gave the example or not. I can't remember if I gave the example or not. But have you seen in, in, in the way that movies portray... Obviously, movies portray Muslims very negatively. Alright, okay? Whenever they're showing them making wudu, it's only making wudu to make a bomb. Have you noticed? <laughs> huh? I think, it, I can't remember which one it was, man. But I, is it Denzel Washington or something? I don't know. It's one of the older films. I remember I remember seeing a scene. Actually, I don't, I don't know, was it him or someone else? But he's, uh, he's making a bomb. Someone's making, he's making wudu. He's thinking he's going to go pray. He's making, you know, wudu and... Then he goes and starts putting wires together, thinking, "Oh my God!" So, so the whole idea obviously is a very negative portrayal. But, but the the point that I want to make is that why is it that every time that you see wudu made on TV, it looks so spiritual? Have you noticed, Yani? They take the water, you know, like from a bowl, you know, like those old kind of like Japanese kind of like uh, rituals, Yani. There's bowl and they'll take something and, you know, so they, again, it'd be one of those nice, you know. It won't be like some cheap, you know, pack lota or something. Yeah, it will be, it will be like there's some romance and some some ceramic and porcelain. So he will take the water and the water will be shining, 
and then he might just kind of you know dribble it like that and you know he's rubbing it he's a non-muslim probably doing it as well you know what i'm saying yeah and he's just and it looks you thinking wow that's my wudu i wish i could do wudu like that right because you're thinking because the drama's there there's a lot of drama when the now the ironic thing of course is that actually we should be owning that i mean we literally should be owning that that kind of that that sense of gravitas that sense of uh subhanallah when they when they're doing that and and uh, uh, that is essential uh, not uh, that's essential in theory for having our minds present in everything that we do and it's also because we're practicing it we get the reward for it and the danger of course of not believing in this concept that i'm talking about and the danger of being too uh, uh, lax okay is that you go into the shower and you don't make any intention whatsoever and then you've done your shower and you come out and because the line becomes so blurred between that my nightly shower or my morning shower or my day you know midday shower because it's hot and the one that i needed to do to fall wudu and it happens i mean it happens to me it happens to me and i'm not even in a hot climate and so in a hot climate you've got to be careful of the cold shower and the, the irony is in the cold climate you have to be careful for the the hot steamy kind of shower you know the one that you're having to relax and get comfortable with and a lot of people uh, uh you know but by the nature of people they'll break their wudu and they'll say well i'm not going to make wudu now i'm going to go to the shower anyway you see that i'm i i've broken my wudu and uh i don't need to make it right now i'm going to go to the shower in half an hour because i feel i need to relax a bit okay and wash up and so they go in with that and they're obviously using all their you know scent and this and that whatever and the niya for making the niya for ghusl is gone and therefore you've come out super clean but not ready and not permissible to pray and so and so there's that's a, it's a very very important technical point and as i said from a from a from a from a benefit point of view as a reminder to myself I, I wrote this the other day i wrote this the other day just if we understood just how powerful the intention is okay I mean, it's got to be powerful in that we've gone into a, 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 a shower with amazing water, amazing soap, and come out super clean, super great, okay? And we still can't pray. We still, and we'll go there and pray 20 rakah, whatever you want to pray, okay? And none of it will be accepted. None of it will be accepted. But if we had just said, this is wudu, or this is ghusl, uh, this is and and we'll come and we'll come to la- later whether it's sufficient just to say this is wudu or believe this is wudu or this is ghusl or or if we are shafis okay then this is wudu for salah or this is wudu for dhuhr or this is wudu for my nafil or yani that thought and it's only a thought the shafis like the majority of the scholars believe it's bid'ah to say the niya out all right to make an actual uh ver- what do you guys do here do you have a verbal thing you say before you actually get into wudu what's it what is a traditional statement cash did someone just say cash cash for salah ask for salah oh we done that man we did that last time <laughs> Can't do that one again. Yeah. The, the, uh, no, for wudu. Do you guys have something? It's a statement. What is it? You can't remember, huh? Oh, it's a proper behavior then, yeah? 
proper like yani this that blah blah mission man yeah i mean this guy i mean uh, and we're gonna see ibn taymiyyah himself uh yani he mentions in majmul fatawa that they're actually and and this is interesting that there actually is two statements of the scholars on this okay so uh, and the reason that's interesting is because most of the ulama and i have to say that i i, I agree with this position even though you would have seen in fiqh salah my my defending the people who make the uh, verbal niya, but defending it not in terms of islamically defending it culturally if you remember what we, we talked about that and i think it's important to, as opposed to condemning to try and understand why people do make a verbal niya. Uh, i mean ibn Tamiya said it is actually one of the two statements of the ulama um that it is permissible but uh, well not that 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 uh, uh, yes that it is permissible to verbalize the niya. But the majority of the scholars are like, this is bid'ah. To verbalize aniyah is a major problem. Okay? And um, and so we should avoid that. Certainly, people who are educated. Is that my phone? Did this run, yeah? Does that mean that the... Um, does that mean that the... Uh, oh, can you believe it? That you know what that's done. So you see what what that's done. That has <laughs> man. Okay. Nadit's gonna kill me, but it's okay. So, um, what we're we talking about. So verbalizing the intention. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, I've lost my my train of thought. So anyway, it doesn't matter. The, the point is, is that uh, that that itself is a uh, uh, um, an aspect of our discussion. The more important point is, is that those people who actually uh, uh, appreciate the power, one change of the intention opens up an entire door of worship. And the example that I gave the other day, when I wrote, was a personal example of fasting. You know, and a lot of people, um, and uh, mashallah, there's a big revival in people fasting. I've noticed, and I, I think that's in line with the general revival in the Sunnah. People practicing the Sunnah and so on. So that's something which is a, which is a positive thing. But um, uh, I also have noticed that a lot of people miss out, like I did the other day. So I was I was in Scotland, and I was um, on Sunday night, and I was traveling on Monday early. And I knew that I had lots of stuff to prepare before I came here. And so I actually said to myself that, you know what? I don't think this is going to be realistic for me to fast. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work out. I'm going to get hungry, blah, blah, blah. So I decided not to. Right? I actually decided not to. And subhanAllah, I didn't eat or drink or even look at anything the entire day. Now, Maghrib there was like 450 odd or 460. 460? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise known as five o'clock. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean Malaysia. I've got to say it accurately, sir. Yeah. Five five o'clock uh, or four fifty-five, and it wasn't until like seven and a half past seven that I actually even thought about food and sat down and whatever. And I went Asubhana, when I said Bismillah to start the food, I said to myself, Look at that man. What a waste of a day, man. What a waste. You know. There's, a, there's obviously another important point to it as well, and that is that we also need to move away from the idea. I mean, this is saying what I just said or writing what I just wrote doesn't 
Okay. Doesn't. I'm just blaming myself for everything. Look at my phone. What's happening? Again? What have I done now? What have I done now again? So, um, the uh, uh, what I wrote, if I don't if I don't quant- uh, qualify it, it's also important to not make it out that just because I didn't eat, I lost out on the fast. Actually, that's also not very accurate because actually eating or not eating is only one small aspect of the fasting. Actually, in my opinion, the easy uh, part. Okay, the not eating is the easy part. I mean, especially in the winter. In the winter, to be to be honest, it gets down to like you know ten to four or something, right? Uh, Maghrib. Uh, you guys, what's your earliest? Seven, right? And uh, your fajr will start. What's your latest start time? Sixish, yeah, whatever. Ours is like seven something. I mean, that's basically that's 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 like having a late lunch, isn't it? Really, you know what I'm saying, right? Or late breakfast even. I mean, it's not. So it's clear that <clears throat> the real issue is not for many of us. It's not really the food and the drink and and so on. Especially not living in a very very hot dry climate that requires you to drink. Maybe things get different up here. In the UK, it's very cool, very wet. You don't feel hungry. You don't feel like you need to drink anything. And and uh, the, the 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 labor market is more more often than not very less physical. And so it's you know food is the easy part. It's the rest of the mind being focused, recognizing your fasting, controlling your statements, and things that much more than what you would normally. So I think that is actually uh, the more difficult part. So I don't want to just denigrate the fast, but I was just saying that you know just one intention. Even all the way up until Dhuhr time, okay, that I had made would have got me the reward of the fasting and I missed out. It just shows the power of the intention. So, obviously, we do need to be uh, careful about that. Let's actually uh, look at some of the texts now, uh, insha'Allah. Um, the first, Shaykh uh, Uthameen, sorry, the, uh, the, the Imam Hajawi's initial statement is, وَالنِّيَّةُ شَرْطٌ نِيَّةٌ Okay, and niya comes from the verb nawa which means to intend something, to plan and want something, to have something in your sights, okay, is what you intend. And in Arabic language, which is interesting, the word niya um, can be pronounced with tashdeed and takhif, meaning niya with the shadda and niya with the Without the shadda, both are acceptable in the in the from a linguistic point of view in the um, Arabic. Now, um, when they say um, that when the statement is made that the intention is a condition in um, what's the translation that we use that the intention is a prerequisite. You know the word shart. Let's actually talk about the word shart. Shart is a sign. Okay. The word shart uh, is uh, a sign of something, an indicator of something. It indicates something else. That's where, that's linguistically speaking, and that's where its Islamic meaning comes from, because it here is showing something which is about to come. It's a prerequisite, a precondition, which is establishing what's about to follow. So that's where that's where the linguistic aspect is. But it's obviously a much stronger word legally, condition. A prerequisite it's an absolute must okay um, that it needs to be there for the validity of the action afterwards that's in principle linguistically though we know and we discussed this um, a couple of weeks back when we were talking at the difference about the difference between the uh, idea of wajib and a uh, uh, pillar the essence of an act which is the most important thing okay so 
uh, it is important to give the word shart a proper definition, which I will give in a second. But I just want to just make it clear that when we say the word niya, we have two uh, um, intentions behind it. When we say that the prerequisite, the uh, condi- the uh, intention is a prerequisite for purification from ritual impurity. When we say that, we say number one, the niya has to be that we want to worship Allah by this action. So that's the first yani, uh, 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 plan, the first intention within the intention that we want to actually use this to worship Allah. And the second is that we want to actually get the thing done that we want. So one is that we want to worship Allah, we want to please Allah about what we're doing. And number two, that we actually want to lift this state of ritual impurity. So that has to be specific, it has to be in the, in the mind. Uh, you have to uh, feel it, believe it when you're, when you're actually uh, doing it. Okay? Now, the, the principle of obligating niya in all the actions of worship is something which is well established from the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in uh, verse number two of Surah to Zumar, okay, and worship Allah sincerely, making the religion sincerely for Him. And so this is something which is yani, uh, 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 absolutely uh, at the very basic uh, principle of worship. Because uh, even when you respect someone, if you respect someone for the sake of someone else, it's not really respect. And likewise, worship, if you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only to be seen by the people, to be considered by the people, to be believed that you are the right kind of person, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in no need of that. Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created insan with this incredible power inside, this force. We call that force the fitra, this innate nature which is pushing you towards recognizing who you really are. Okay, And we know deep down that uh, this world is not ours. Okay, because this is a very, this is a very physical, material world and our physical material nature is not an afterthought but it's the second aspect of us actually we are souls first and foremost right and the souls don't live here even subhanallah when we die the souls leave because they're not meant to stay here this is a temporary ground right so the souls leave when we when we die actually every night they try to escape okay every single night we have the minor death all right and the souls leave and when you have a dream of course it is the souls meeting uh, uh, not on this planet not physically in this planet when you're meeting other people and experiencing it's the souls right even when you look back at our origin the souls were were in heaven we have no evidence we can't affirm or deny but in principle the body is not some kind of aspect of jannah okay it's a soul kind of nature a spirit kind of nature we are everything that we are there when we came here we will be then given the human reality but still inside us we all know where we come from we all know we all know that because as allah says in surah al-a'raf we already bear witness to that all right when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, asked us all right that am i or said to us am i not your lord we all said yes we are Absolutely uh, you are And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Well I've asked you that And I've made you bear witness to that So that then on the day of judgment You don't then come When I judge you again And you say 
that we were from the ghafilin. We were the people who didn't know. Actually, we do know. All right. And so that's inside of us. We have that. We have that force, and it's about it's about recognizing that and then putting it to good use. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, if He wants us to worship Him, Him alone, Subhanahu wa Taala, and we're not doing that for His sake, but because of X and Y and Z reason, then the whole thing's a fail. It doesn't matter what you do. So much so that the very highest levels that we can perceive in the human kind of istidrak, uh, the, the human perception, however possibly it can be, can be a false perception. For example, the mujahid, who does the biggest sacrifice possible, he gives his life. He gives his life. And the one who recites the Qur'an, yani reciting the Qur'an very fluently, one day that touches your heart, which you know requires a deep study, which requires a huge amount of effort to memorize it. Then you've got the one who is giving his money away. All the, the, the link between all three of these things is that actually to achieve the, the result that they're achieving is very difficult. So giving plenty of money away, and money is the one thing that we love absolutely beyond everything else. Okay? Alright? We love wealth and gathering of wealth to an insane level. And... So for someone to give that away and, and significant amount is no joke. And the Prophet ﷺ said in Sahih that all three of these people will be gathered in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thrown into the hellfire face first. Okay? Even though they, these were the three people who did these things, but they did it because they wanted to be known from the people that I did. I'm strong, courageous, mujahid. I'm generous. What a great family. What a great person. What a whatever. And then, look at this, you know... Uh, I want them to know that I'm the great reciter and so on and so forth. So the niya changes everything. It's a game changer and it's a deal breaker. It's everything. Okay? It is absolute there's nothing in your life that you will ever study or perfect that is more important than your niya. And if you want a clue in that, now if you want to have a clue, always look to the really strong people to see what they're scared of. Okay? And when we think about the strong people, we think about our scholars, we think about the Salaf, we think about yani, the big, big, big players on the, on, the, on the market, you know? The ones who really, really, you know, have got something. And you'll see that them talking about it in their books all the time about their niya. Not sure, yani, people are, are praising me a lot, and we, are all, we all have an ego. For, for someone to say they don't have an ego, let's just not go past that, okay? Everyone has an ego. And everyone, not only does everyone have an ego, everyone loves to have their ego massaged, okay? You know, nicely and gently. Not like Yanni, Malaysian, Yanni, Malaysian uh, 50 ringgit one, Yanni, which uh, I think they're just interested in breaking every bone in your. <laughs> your <laughs> Ammar's uncle, I think it is, or whatever. And. Um, the, uh, so no, I'm just I'm just saying everyone likes to be praised. Everyone and obviously when you get praised, it becomes dangerous because uh, praise is often what then makes you believe that wow, you know, people really like that and then do more and then do more. And so it can be difficult maintaining that. Now the answer to that, of course, is to put your trust in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and say I'm doing it for your sake. And if the people are happy, then that is from you, Ya Allah. But I, I have to keep going because shaitan is right there playing you at that moment. 
He wants you to get so freaked out by your act of worship or charity or help or whatever, okay, that you stop doing it. And then he's, he's buzzing. He's absolutely laughing his brains out. You know, he's, he's like, there you go, I did it. Whereas our response is, is that, you know what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes qubul, accepts these things. Let's carry on with that. Let's make it yani, a, a bigger, a bigger and better. People like it, great. But my response to the people liking it is to please Allah and make Him like it more. How do you do that? Do the same when people can't see. And that is the, that is the lifelong solution to the niya problem. Do and make your private better than your public. That's it. And if you do that, you'll be safe. You'll protect yourself. Everyone can pray any sunnah in the masjid. But isn't it interesting that it's sunnah to not pray sunnah in the masjid? Okay? Right? Just think about that. Right? Isn't it interesting that when you're praying obligatory prayer, however nice you pray, you're praying next to the next guy who's doing the same thing at the end of the day. You know? And if your prayer is great, then as Ibn Qayyim used to say, you look at two people standing next to each other, and there's meaning like, you know, heaven and earth difference between the two. One is here in this dunya. He, he, this is his famous explanation of the five levels of the prayer. All right. And so one, uh, the first guy, one on one side, he's just like chilling out, like you know, going through their actions, and he's just like you know, whatever, and you know, or he might be even actually maybe getting involved in the prayer, but he's in, out, in, out, minds there, whatever. And at the end, you know, he's kind of like, okay, whatever. Whereas the other chap who's praying from beginning to end, he's just on another planet. You know, he's just on another planet, just thinking, reflecting, yeah, and about the verses and what it means and how the impacts and really feeding it. You know, he had he 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 ate before he he started to pray. So he says, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. He's thinking, Subhanallah, it's so true. You know, he says the statement and he's thinking, it's so true. It's so true. The Prophet ﷺ told us that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala does not give a uh, anything. Anything and everything to Ibn Adam, meaning the, the 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 creation, and the creation says Alhamdulillah, just Alhamdulillah for that blessing, except that what the person said was better than everything than what Allah gave them. So for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to hear and feel a genuine thanks in the in the form of Alhamdulillah. And we, and we discussed this before that the concept of shukr, which is thanks, okay, even though it exists, I mean, Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika, oh Allah, help me to remember you and to thank you, okay, actually to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala verbally to say thank you, oh Allah, is not something which you find in the sunnah. And then when you do, it's very indirect. There's no kind of like ashkuruka ya Allah, like we would say in Arabic. Someone gave something to you, you say shukran, yeah, thank you. Or you say ashkuruk, yani, I thank you. You know, oh nashkuruk, yani, we thank you. That's the way it would it would be in general. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the way of how to say thank you. It's the perfect one by saying alhamdulillah, all praise. And, and, and you will have heard me explain this before, of course, one of the beauties in this statement is that the word shukr, thanks, is contingent. If you look at the word thanks, it's normally someone does something to you, then you then give it back. You say thank you very much. You don't thank people when they don't give you something. Does that make sense? Yep. And that's an insult to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's like when you're thanking Allah, it's almost like saying, oh what? So the moment you were breathing and you didn't get your, you know, something incredible, 
that wasn't worthy of thanks. Yani it's almost to say like, like that. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us by giving us a concept, a word, which has no deficiency, which is praise. Okay? And this praise is whether I recognize it or not, whether I see it or not, whether I uh, whether I uh, receive something which is palpable or not, or I can perceive it or not, you are praised in the good and the bad. All the time, you are praised. And that's why the Prophet would say, Alhamdulillah, in the good times and even in the bad times. Alhamdulillah, kulli hal. All praise be to Allah in all circumstances. So it is important to be able to recognize just how powerful Alhamdulillah is. And if a person has just prayed, a person has just finished a real busy morning of work and is standing for dhuhr, and they're appreciative of this little kind of opportunity to connect back again with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then when they say Alhamdulillah, it's like, they're like, you know, they're like, you know, wow, amazed, you know, incredibly, you know, connected. And so I'm saying that there's a huge, there's a huge difference between the people who are uh, aware of why they worship and and doing it for the sake of Allah and those who just go through the motions. So that's that, that's that's important. Right, let's get some book work done. Otherwise, uh, with that, we'll say you just wasted another lesson um, of just chatting. So, um, so the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith which is noted by Sayyidina Umar, amalu that all actions are by their intention. Okay. And indeed for every man is that what he will intend. This last statement of course is what made some of the scholars say like the Shafi'is and like the, uh, like, uh, the Malikis and one of the statements of uh, Ahmed bin Hanbal, okay, one riwayah from Ahmed bin Hanbal that and, and for every man is exactly that what he intends they said, therefore, this statement is a support for the one who says that it's only if you were to make, if you were to, for example, if you didn't have wudu and you want to read some Quran, okay? So you, you, have, you want to read some Quran, you don't have wudu, so you say, ah, oh, you know what? I need to make wudu to read some Quran, okay? Well, what they're saying is that if you are going to make that niyyah, and we put, we, put, we put the reading of Quran into some kind of like chart, where something's at the top, something at the bottom. To read Quran would be at the bottom, okay, of the uh, actions of uh, the obligatory day, okay, or the obligatory actions and recommended actions in a day. At the very, very top would be, for example, Fajr prayer, okay, the obligatory prayer. And the idea goes is that if you are able to make the intention for something high and powerful, it covers everything underneath it. Whereas if you were to make intention for something low, we don't want to say low, obviously, but you know what I mean. Adna is the word which is lesser than. That's probably the more respectful phrase, okay? Then above it can't be done by it. So if you were to make intention for, or for uh, uh, I need to go make wudu to read Quran, then basically you're restricted to that and anything underneath it. But you wouldn't be able to then pray uh, obligatory salah uh, by that. Okay, and that's the argument, and that's the argument of the Shafi'is and and uh, and the Malikis, and uh, because every man gets exactly what he intended, and what we say that is no, and we're going to be talking about this in detail, that when you intend something which is 
uh, and that the Hamli Madhab obviously stated its position, the Hamli Madhab, and this is Sheikh Uthameen's position as well, and the contemporary scholars, and the, the taught position, is that once you make the intention for any act of worship, it covers all the acts of worship. Because when you make an intention for an act of worship that requires wudu, then the requirement of wudu lifts the state of impurity. It doesn't somehow only lift the state of impurity just for that. Okay, And I think this is the correct and it's a practical and beneficial kind of position to be in uh, when it comes to the acts of, uh, of, um, of worship. Now, um, Sheikh... Uh, and uh, uh, of course... As for the Hanafi scholars, what did they say? What do you think they said in this scenario? I told you what the Shafi'is and the Malikis and one derived from Ahmed said. And I've told you what the Hanbali school is. So what do you think the Hanafi position is? Think about it. It's a trick question. And it's tricked all of the nations. It's a trick question. What did I tell you at the beginning? Therefore, huh? Yeah, you're there, thereabouts. But basically. They said that there's no requirement for niyyah for wudu anyway. So once you're into wudu, then khalas, everything's open anyway. So so what? So for them, it's not an issue. For them, it's not even a discussion. Do you understand what I'm saying? And are you guys happy with uh, why it is that the, the Hanafi scholars, they said that there is no intention for wudu? Yes? Because they saw it as the, from the wasail, from the means which leads you to an act of worship, okay? I want you to know that there is an ijma', a consensus of the scholars, every scholar, that there is no near required for the, the means, okay? The requirement stage, okay? The things which require to get you to an act of worship. There's a consensus on that point, is that clear? But the difference of opinion on this issue is obviously whether this actually is a mean or not, a means or not. Now, obviously, the majority of the scholars say it definitely is not. It's an individual act of worship, something which the Prophet ﷺ did. I mean, common sense, actually, the, 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 the Quran Sunnah establishes. And just when you look at it, yani, why would you be, if you were washing, why would you stop at your elbow? If you were uh, washing your face, okay, why only do it three times? If you're washing your feet, why, yani, why all these very, very, why only wipe over your head? Why? Meaning that this is very, very specifically described in a very khas kind of fashion, which indicates that it's an act of worship. Okay? And so therefore, this is the position of the majority. They're very comfortable with, with, uh, with that. So um, that, that's the point. I also wanted to talk about the, uh, the uh, statement of, of, of saying the niya. Now, I'm not going to go into what, what, why, why, you know, the people do it. Um, I've covered that, I think, many times in classes and I think online as well. Cultural people generally, they're not able to connect so well with the act of worship. They don't understand the Arabic. They generally come from a background which is not scholarly as such. 
more difficulty in making their, their, their minds focused on what they're doing. So to help them, they verbalize it. And when you say something, and you, it's almost like you hear yourself, and then you think, oh, I know what I'm doing. Now, obviously, that might be justified from a cultural point of view, but Islamically, if it's not established, then it's not acceptable. So there's no evidence whatsoever to have a verbal niya for wudu, or for salah, or for siyam as well, okay? And a lot of people get confused on the issues of wudu, salah, salah, there's no confusion, all right? For salah, people completely made up the wudu, the, 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 the niya, the wudu. The, the salah, they just completely made it up. But as for wudu, people, some people said that bismillah is the intention, okay? That is the actual physical intention. Firstly, that's incorrect. Bismillah is an individual obligation. The niyyah itself, yani the niyyah itself should be said before, or, or uh, the niyyah uh, itself should be there before or right at the same time. It cannot be after an obligatory action. Okay, it cannot be after an obligatory action. And remember, if, if we say Bismillah, let's just quickly just touch on that issue, okay, uh, about the niya when it would come into play. We've already discussed the washing of the hands, and we said that the washing of the hands is a sunnah, yes, the first washing of the hands when we go in and we start washing, okay. And then we go into now the mouth and the nose, and we differed over that. The scholars have differing opinions, and my class position is that the washing of the mouth and the nose, madmada and istinshaq, is a sunnah, okay? And then the first obligatory aspect comes, which is the washing of the face. Now, your bismillah has to be before the washing of the face, and your intention has to be before the washing of the face. And as the text says later on, it's great if it's actually before the first recommended act, which is the washing of the hands, okay? Now, there is a time when the hands will be uh, made obligatory, okay? And that would be when? No, that's the only later on when you're washing your arms, arms and hands. What about just the washing of the hands at the beginning? When you wake up from sleep and it has to be what kind of sleep? Nocturnal, deep kind of sleep when you don't know what's going on. Generally, any you've lost senses for a, for a serious period of time, and also, what did I add from myself, my class position? Also, another condition. Sorry. Correct. Well done. It's that if it's from a tap like we use, then it's not applicable, because the illa. And this is a controversial position, of course, because some scholars said that, that that might not be the illa. But we're saying that the illa is that the water doesn't get uh, 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 dirtied, okay? That you don't dirty yourself and so on. And when you put a tap on, okay, then you're washing your hands and the, you're not dipping your hands into water. So it's not so yeah, any applicable. But anyway, that's just a, a side point. So um, the bismillah has to be done before. Um, but And the niya, again, same. The niya has to be done before Bismillah or at the same time for wudu. The Bismillah is not the niya. The other point would be, other example would be fasting. Okay? A lot of people believe that to say X, uh, uh, what did they say? Huh? Yeah, that's I think like one of the versions. Um, I think that there are quite a few. And some of them are based upon weak hadith. And so what's interesting is, number one, there is no verbal intention for fasting. Okay. 
Number two, the hadith themselves, even if they are authentic, do not indicate them to be actually a niya, but rather like an opening dua. Okay, which is different to being a, a, a niya. And that's similar to the discussion between saying Bismillah and having an intention to make wudu. Alright? The other big, big misconception is what? Hajj and Umrah, right? Okay? Many scholars said that the, you'll see actually, they'll say the only exception to the rule for verbalizing the niya is Hajj. Because when you say Allahumma, Allah Allahumma bi Umrah, or Allah Allahumma bi Hajj, okay? Then that is the, that's the verbalizing of the intention. Uh, scholars will say that and uh, I, I, I follow the opinion that that's incorrect and that's Sheikh Uthameen's opinion as well and uh, that statement in itself in of itself that statement لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَ بِعُمْرَةً is a talbiyah and the talbiyah is different from the niyyah okay like the talbiyah is a dhikr which you are you are rewarded for it's like the action you know it's when you're getting into it you're g yourself up we start, Bismillah, let's go. And I want you to know that just because you have an act of worship at the beginning, that doesn't mean that it has to be intention, because obviously the intention is always at the beginning. You can see where it's coming from. Any kind of thing said at the beginning, oh, well, let's put that in the intention bracket. Well, that's not necessarily the case. When you say Bismillah when you're about to walk, or, you know, Bismillah to leave the home, or when you say uh, Bismillah when you went enter into the masjid, it's not an intention to enter into the masjid. You intended to enter the masjid the second you got into your car, isn't it? Yeah? When you drove to the masjid, you are now rewarded. You are being rewarded now, whatever happens. Even if you get to the prayer late, miss the prayer, uh, it takes a long time stuck in traffic, something happens, or you walk a long, long way, you're rewarded for going to the masjid all the way because of your intention. Whether you actually enter that masjid or not, whether you get there or not, whether you get there late or not. So that Bismillah, when you walk into it, is another act. It's an act of worship. You're putting a trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's important for us mentally to, to separate the two. So, Labbaik bi Umrah, when we say that, again, is not an intention. It's a dhikr. And that intention is something which is separate. Not only is it separate, it's not stated. There is no stating an intention. I intend to do X, X, whatever. No, actually what's in your heart, what you believe, that's your intention. Yani, you're wrapped up yani, in two cloths that you wouldn't wear ever other than yani, for this uh, process, okay? This act of worship, otherwise known as ihram or known in slang as disaster, okay? Right? You're putting on these two pieces of cloth. That's seriously the most uncomfortable things ever. Actually, I'm, I'm, not, I'm speaking to the wrong group of people. You guys love your lungis, man. No problem. Yeah? Would you guys pull it? Sarong, yeah, sarong, whatever, same thing. So the point is that the ma'awiz and sarong and the lungis, you guys probably love ihram, isn't it? You men, huh? huh? When you go in there, it's no problem. Oh man, what a disaster. I'm saying, you put those two boys on, it's not like you're doing a play, is it? Yeah, it's not for fun. It's obviously for Umrah and Hajj, isn't it? Okay? So. Um, likewise, when you walk into the masjid at Dhuhr time and you go, right, I'm going to pray Dhuhr, okay? You don't need to tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you came to the masjid to pray Dhuhr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that from your heart, that's the reason you're here. So we've got to be careful that we don't yani, try and justify things which are unjustifiable, i.e. the statement of certain, uh, 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 the verbalizing of certain statements. So I actually do follow that opinion that any verbalization is bid'ah, even though some of the ulama said that it's just a weak opinion, where there's a difference between the two. A weak opinion is a weak opinion. Okay, people follow it. 
bid'ah will be something which is punished for because you are introducing something into the religion which is not there. We never saw it from the Prophet. Okay, and so it should be avoided. People who do that unintentionally, uh, people unintentionally, the irony, the, uh, the uh, people who are not aware, okay, um, that it's a bid'ah, of course, we would not consider them to be sinning in this particular uh, situation because there is some uh, uh, discussion amongst the scholars uh, about it. So, no saying it out. Uh, uh, loud and we'll just finish now with this last uh, uh, paragraph and uh, it's, it's, it's important to note that the humbly madhab officially officially considers the saying out loud of the niyyah for hajj to be the sunnah okay the humbly madhab does actually a number of the scholars I told you a number of the scholars and the humbly madhab itself um, does actually believe that Okay, and Shaykh al says, as for someone who believes that it's sunnah to openly speak out the niyyah, then this is so, so weak and it's confusing the people. And he goes, especially in the prayer, and uh, he goes, especially in the prayer, and there's absolutely no need for that, and there's no basis, and, and so on. Um, and uh, just just also just to show that sometimes the niya itself, okay, the niya itself is established in the most simple of ways. Like for example, um, this just shows you like the other side you know one side are really really down on the knee that it's got to be very clearly I mean obviously some people say you've got to be set that's unacceptable others are then okay you got to you know focus and I'm gonna you know what I mean yeah okay and like go through like a mental process or something like that if that was what we wanted we'll tell you to say it it's easier isn't it okay do you understand what I'm trying to say that's also not what we want. We want it to be uh, to understand that uh, uh, the, the bigger point that we're calling to, and even Taymiyyah himself was calling to, and the ulama themselves are generally trying to promote, is to allow the Muslim to be confident and to always think positively. To be confident and think positively. If you turn up to the masjid at Maghrib time, mate, the only prayer you're going to pray is Maghrib. <laughs> unless you've completely lost the plot. And if you've lost the plot, then it doesn't matter what you pray, you'll still be accepted, isn't it? Huh? Lost the plot meaning yani, uh, 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 mentally uh, uh, ill. Yeah, If you're mentally ill because you come to the masjid at Maghrib time and you start praying Isha, then even your Isha has been accepted because you're mentally ill. <laughs> Whoever thinks that we can pray Isha at this moment, do you understand what I'm trying to say? So they don't need to say it. And, and Ibn Taymiyyah, he just gives an example that sometimes you can even tell um, the, the, the intention and the act of worship is accepted just by his actions, not even like a stop think about kind of process. Like for example, Ramadan, when you don't make so much food, or you don't start cooking in the morning, and you start yani, preparing in the afternoon, it's because of the fast, and everyone's fasting. And, then, and if you are eating less in the evening, because your body's full up quicker, that itself is a intention to break the fast. 
that is itself is an intention that you are in a period of fasting. That itself is an intention that we don't need to revive a brand new intention the day after tomorrow. Ah, we said this last time in our in our fasting special. We said that if a person wants to break the fast because he goes traveling for a couple of days in between Ramadan, when he comes back, yeah, he should just have a little, you know, get myself focused uh, because he's had a break. It's not the norm anymore, you know. So that's that's something which can be said. So anyway, I think we'll, that, that's enough. That's enough for the for the lesson uh, technically. If there are any questions on the subject of Nia um, and this introductory kind of first part, then we can take that uh, now. Anything on the Nia itself? Okay, cool. Um, we will continue afterwards. Zakumullah khair. Barakallahu fiqh. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik. Shadu Allah ilaha ilaha ant. Wa astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu ilaik.